Hey, aloha and welcome to another great uh, Friday afternoon here in Honolulu, Hawaii. I'm Stan Osterman, Stan the Energy Man here on Think Tech Hawaii. And uh, we're going to talk all things energy. And today we're focused uh, on something that's come up in conversations that I've had with several industry partners that we have out here. And that is, um, when, when is more of this uh, equipment that we're talking about with hydrogen, uh, and uh, especially with hydrogen systems, going to be more available like commercial off the shelf? And so today on our show, we have a, a company called Gencell, um, and Alex Alcido is our guest. And he's going to be talking to us about something that is commercially available and we could bring into the state, we could bring into actually any community and uh, start using for, um, for backup power, for primary power, um, and as part of systems of power. And so, Alex, thanks for joining us today. And I appreciate you uh, calling in all the way from Atlanta. And... Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, yourself first and then a little bit about Gencell. Sure. Thank you very much for the opportunity, Sam. So, again, my name is Alex Aceto. I'm the director of sales for the company called Gencell Energy, who happens to be an Israeli company, but I happen to manage all the Americas. And one thing that you should know about Gencell is that we really kind of uh, look at the hydrogen um, technology in a way that we kind of build building blocks to provide an ultimate result. Now, one thing about uh, high, uh, Gensel Energy is that the engineers that are actually working for Gensel are the same engineers that were working for the Russian space program to generate power out in space. So technically, our fuel cell really is rocket science. Now, one of the way we built the solution is really designed to provide you two primary components. One of them is to have an extremely reliable piece of equipment that basically uses no mechanical components to generate power. And the second, uh, which is, to me, is one of the most important uh, items of the solution, is related to the bi-directional communication aspect of the solution. When you think about risk, the risk really comes from the unknown. Uh, when you have uh, applications where you're designed to power mission-critical equipment and you don't know what's happening with the power source, that in itself creates a lot of risk and liability. So one of the things that we've designed is a solution that the system A is smart enough to know what it is, how it's supposed to be functioning, and if there's any deviation in performance, the system will automatically send you alerts in a variety of different ways. It can be from emails, text messages. If anyone is still using uh, beepers, you'll get a beeper message. But the whole premise is that we want to make sure that we provide you with the operational intelligence that's necessary for you to make informed decisions about what to do and when to do it. That's that's great. And, you know, that that speaks right to what we uh, wanted to focus in on the show. You know, people nowadays are, the consumer is pretty demanding in terms of um, the products that they get. They need to be reliable. They need to be uh, efficient. They need to be uh, affordable and they need to um, function uh, consistently and you know, for a fairly long period of time without being replaced. And then there has to be a good way to replace them and follow on without making a huge uh, new investment or you know, um, uh, making a, a big changeover in technology. And it seems like Gencell's kind of got that up front um, in their design package and how they put some things together. Now, you have a couple of um, pieces of equipment that that are basically power supplies, and if I'm if I recall right, um, one of them is hydrogen based purely, and the other one is ammonia based. Is that correct? 
That is correct, uh, Stan. So we've designed basically two primary solutions. One of them is designed primarily for backup power, which is called our G5. And you know that in and of itself it has a lot of value because and today when you're thinking about the electrification that's happening, not only nationally, but you're thinking about internationally where you know companies like Tesla or Nikola or any of the other companies that are really making a big effort in trying to eliminate the uh, fossil fuel um, power generation process. I mean, you even look at the Mariah uh, from Toyota, you know, so even vehicles, you're looking at uh, big companies like Bloom Energy that are putting very large, you know, uh, hydrogen fuel cell technology for large stationary power where you're actually generating megawatts worth of power. The, the electrification process in the world now is really becoming to be mainstream. And this is where I think we have a piece in that market where we're very specific in what we can apply. Uh, but the, the reason why we created our solution is because we know that there was a gap in, in the process when you're dealing with uh, things like diesel generators or UPSs, they have limitations in terms of what they can actually provide over what period of time. So if you think of traditional UPS, the UPS will give you uh, typically, depending even on the size, usually between, let's just say 35 minutes to about a little over an hour, regardless of the size, because usually they're sized based on the load. But from, uh, typically, they will give you the same kind of range in terms of energy output. The problem with the batteries is that, you know, they're also very finicky. Even though thing, a lot of people, or at least uh, most of the industry, look at batteries as a fail-safe, it really isn't because between all the various variables that go into making sure that those batteries give you the outputs necessary and give you that confidence that you're going to have the stability of time, uh, really kind of goes to a lot of things like age, significantly impacts battery uh, output, uh, the maintenance associated with it, temperatures, and a couple other variables. So you may design a system, you know, when you first bought the system for eight hours, but over time, if you're not maintaining that system and, and you're not correctly uh, managing that process, you really may only get five or six hours. And the problem is, even though the indicator may show that it has 100% charge, typically you're only measuring the surface so unless you take the specific gravity of each individual cell, in many cases, you won't really know how much energy you have to work with and how much time you have to work with. So that's a limitation. If we focus on the diesel generator component, you're basically talking about a mechanical. You're starting to cut out a little bit, Alex. I'm not sure if it's connected. Let me interrupt for one second sure. or two. Um, sure. You know, uh, you're, you know, one thing that you mentioned that I think very few people really think about because they don't do much work with batteries, but you, know, you mentioned that in a battery is a collection of cells, and it's almost like a, a chain where the, the weakest cell is as strong as you're going to get. And a, a lot of the Correct. folks don't realize that when you have um, the current battery technology that we have, you may have hundreds of cells in your battery, it only takes one or two to start deteriorating uh, abnormally because of a defect or something, and it drags down the whole performance of the whole battery. That's one thing. And the other thing is the batteries that, uh, that would last you for days or weeks, you know, you talked about a half hour to an hour as a backup system. If you were going to go for over a day or into a week or a month, um, you couldn't afford all the batteries it would take to give you enough storage to maintain uh, energy for that length of time. And I think that also uh, lends well to what your technology brings to the to the market. Okay, that's absolutely correct, Stan. And it's not even just the expense associated to the number of batteries that you just described, but it's also the space. 
the space is another limiting factor in terms of battery technology. So, I mean, I'm not bad-mouthing batteries whatsoever. I'm just saying that there's limitations to what those batteries can offer. Exactly. If you switch over directly to the, uh, the power generation when you're using mechanical components, that also has a certain amount of limitations because that's why most companies that are depending on power generation through diesel, gasoline, or uh, propane, whatever the, the fuel happens to be, it's all mechanical. And the process is, is that they have to turn these systems on at least once a week or twice a month or whatever their uh, protocol demands. But that's just to verify that the system will work when you're relying on so many mechanical components. So it's not just the generator. you got the switch gear. you got the, the auxiliary pumps, you know, for fuel. So if any one of those components fail, the whole system shuts down and nothing happens. So this is where we kind of created a hybrid solution where we incorporate both a uh, basically what we call the energy, which is kind of like a UPS, and also the power generation component. In this type of configuration, you get all the great benefits of fuel cells that if you if you would mind going to the slide that I have uh, that I presented uh, to you guys, this kind of gives you all the great, uh, the next slide please. This will kind of give you uh, some of the great attributes of uh, uh, fuel cell technology. So instead of that there's really no mechanical components internally to generate power, it's all a chemical uh, reaction between hydrogen and oxygen, Literally, the maintenance is very low and uh, very long, meaning that you only have to do it once a year. The second thing also is that you're not burning anything. So there's no emissions, there's no combustion, there's no noise. Uh, we're operating at about 52 to 55% efficient. If you also include the thermal energy that's part of this process, as far as chemical reaction, uh, you're up to about 87 to 90% efficient. So literally you have a great component power, so yeah. how it's supposed to be functioning, and if there's any deviation in performance, the system will automatically start sending you alerts so that you know what to do and when to do it. Uh, and one of the things that you have on that list there is the harmonics and the balancing. You know, as we get more and more into computers and complex communication systems um, that are really sensitive to the quality of power that you're getting, um, I haven't found anything that can quite replicate the, the um, clean power uh, signal-wise that comes off of a fuel cell compared to a, a spinning generator of some kind. And I think that's really another point that's lost. And, you know, what you've been talking about is what we call cradle-to-grave. You know, unless you're looking at everything that impacts the life cycle of that equipment, whether it's maintenance or whether it's, uh, you know, critical failure or mean time between failure, um, cost of materials, source of materials. You really have to do a critical analysis of the equipment and the system. Uh, and the more I look at hydrogen and uh, hydrogen-based systems, I just see much, much better picture for hydrogen than anything that's currently out there. So Sam, so you are absolutely correct. Uh, your point about the total harmonics, the power factor, those are very critical uh, to very uh, to many systems that are, you know, depending on the electronics and making sure that you have a steady stream of power because any type of peak or stag is going to definitely devastate the process to where it can even shut down certain systems. And any type of disruption in power can significantly both operationally and financially devastate the operation. So if you wouldn't mind going to the next slide. Okay. So we actually have built a solution specifically designed for utilities, oddly enough. 
So going back to what we were discussing earlier about battery technology, uh, you know, when you're dealing about the transmission and distribution of power from the utility, they have uh, distribution or substations uh, every so often. And these substations have very critical equipment internally that has to be able to be remotely uh, turned on and off. And when you're thinking about some of these systems, the only option at the moment would be a battery. So most of these substations will actually use a battery bank to support this application. Well, there was a company in Cal Southern California that had a situation that in 2014, uh, they lost power and this kind of went across state lines. So to restore power, it was very complicated because they were banking on eight hours worth of runtime in terms of time flexibility to restore power. And by the time they came around to doing it, they quickly realized that they really were only getting about five to six hours, maybe seven hours. It, it did not reach the eight hours. And as I mentioned earlier, one of the reasons is because of maintenance. It could be age. It could be any number of things. But the, the, the whole premise is that they were not able to restore power. So that created a huge issue to where they contacted us. And now what we're doing is we're actually providing electrical energy to support a substation from a utility to be able to support the restoration of power and give them a little bit more range. We can design a system to operate for eight hours. We can operate for 16 hours. We can operate for days or even months and years at a time. Just depending on what the customer requires is how we size the system. And when I say we size the system, it's really contingent on how, we use, how much fuel we have on premise. That really, just like any other uh, power generation, depending on how much fuel you have on hand, ultimately is what's going to give you the ability to, to run for that expected amount of time. Okay. The difference is, is that we can quickly understand exactly how much power we have, and, and our systems are very efficient. So when you compare it to traditional uh, fuels, we actually require less fuel to operate for longer periods of time. That's a, that's a great point. And, um... We're going to take a quick break here, and when we come back, I actually want to talk about the connection between hydrogen and ammonia and why your systems, why you have different systems that run off different uh, fuels. We'll be back in 60 Absolutely. seconds. Hi, guys. I'm your host, Lillian Kumik from Lillian's Vegan World. I'm, I come to you live every second Friday from 3 p.m., and this is the show where I talk about the plant-based lifestyle and veganism. So we go through recipes, some upcoming events, uh, information about health, regarding your health, and uh, just some ideas on how you can have a better lifestyle, eat healthier, and have fun at the same time. So do join me. I look forward to seeing you, and uh, aloha. Aloha. I'm your host, Sharon Thomas Yarbrough of Sister Power here at Think Tech of IE. And Sister Power is all about motivating, empowering, educating, and inspiring all people. And we have various subjects here. Sister Power is here at ThinkTech every other Thursday at 4 p.m. Again, my name is Sharon Thomas Yarbrough, host of Sister Power. We look forward to seeing you. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me at sistersempoweringkavai at gmail.com. Look forward to chatting with you soon. Aloha. Hey, welcome back to Stan Energy. I'm Energy Man on my lunch hour, of course. 
We're talking to Alex Alcido from GenCell. And we, we left off talking a little bit about the different kind of fuels that his equipment uses. And we're focusing on hydrogen, number one, because that's my favorite subject. But um, he, his equipment also, they have a, a series of equipment that runs off ammonia. And I wanted to just make a couple points about why there's a connection between ammonia and hydrogen. Well, ammonia is NH3, which is one nitrogen atom and three hydrogen atoms. And ammonia is actually one of the best ways to transport high density of hydrogen as, at ambient temperature and ambient pressure. So, in turn, and it's easier to do because it's a liquid fuel. So, when you talk about liquid hydrogen, you're talking about a super cold, uh, you know, super energy dense uh, liquid, but it's also a lot harder to deal with. But hydrogen, I mean, uh, ammonia is also really important because if you have an agricultural community that needs fertilizer, well, ammonia is also a big part of, of doing fertilizer for your agricultural community uh, around you. So when you start looking at how these things synergize together, um, I think it's really important to recognize that when you make hydrogen out of an electrolyzer, you also get oxygen for welding and medical purposes. And then when you're dealing with ammonia, which is another great energy carrier for hydrogen, you're dealing with fertilizers and things that the agriculture community can use. So Alex, uh, I'll turn it back over to you to, to talk about um, your system. Great, thank you, Sam. So yeah, so one of the key things that uh, Genso really kind of evaluated in terms of our solution and how we would be a little bit different than the common companies out there that are generating power using fuel cells is that today either you're using straight hydrogen or you're using some sort of fossil fuel, whether it's methanol, natural gas, or something of that sorts. But those systems typically are not 100% green because you're still creating CO2 and you're still creating some sort of an emission. So the, exactly what you mentioned, Stan, is that the alternative to that high, uh, ammonia is highly rich with uh, the, ener the energy density of ammonia uh, gives us a great way to extract out the hydrogen and be able to feed our fuel cell to generate clean electrical power. So one of the things that we did is we built a cracker that basically what we're doing is taking uh, anhydrous ammonia, which as you mentioned is NH3, we threw it. We put it through our uh, patent technology uh, cracker. We split the molecule between the hydrogen and the nitrogen, and then that feeds our fuel cell. And the reason why this type of technology is such is revolutionary in, in the fuel cell uh, environment is because this really kind of gives us the ability to generate power for long periods of time. So if you think about a fuel cell, all the great attributes that we just spoke about uh, initially. And you're thinking about how we're going to use this technology and how we're going to get the fuel, because obviously you're not going to go to your neighborhood gas station and pick up some uh, ammonia or some hydrogen, which means that, you know, you have to bring the energy to you. Now, part of that is that is exactly what you mentioned, Stan, is that from a transportation and logistical perspective, bringing anhydrous ammonia is very easy because the supply chain is already there. The safety protocols are already there. It's already used in a lot of different types of uh, applications from, you mentioned agriculture, that's one, refrigeration, cosmetics, water purification. So every single country in the world has it, whether they produce it or import it, but they have it. So this makes it an ideal solution for us to be able to generate power, sell our equipment, use all the great benefits around the world from a solution that is very easy to extract and also operate for long periods of time. So let me give you a little bit of a scale. If you think about ammonia, we bring in one tank of uh, ammonia, which is approximately one ton, it's approximately 400 gallons of fuel. 
And that 400 gallons will give us the ability to operate for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, for 30 days. That's revolutionary. Nobody else is doing this. Now you compare that to diesel fuel, at least on the mainland, you're talking about approximately $3 a gallon. And if you compare that to a diesel generator that's burning between one gallon and two gallons an hour, depending on the size, uh, regardless of the load as well, because you know even if you have a very low uh, consumption rate, uh, your generator is still gonna be operating at the same level as far as consumption, because regardless of the load, that engine has to turn, for, you know, that, that RPM has to continue uh, turning. So your consumption really doesn't change. So if you if you think about one gallon to two gallons an hour, trying to operate for 400 gallons, you're only gonna be able to operate for about 15 to 16 days max. Now you multiply that times $3 a gallon, now you're talking about about, I would say close to uh, between 12 and $1,500 um, uh, for 15 days. Right. And a diesel One engine, a diesel have. engine has to, uh, has a sweet spot. And like you say, if right. you're not, if you're not operating it in that sweet spot, you're also becoming very inefficient and you've right. got to keep it running at a very inefficient level because you don't need all the power that it's generating. So you're, you're actually wasting a lot of fuel that you don't need to in the, the, uh, equipment that you have can kind of load follow a lot better. Correct. Dynamically, it, it adjusts the consumption rate or the or the conversion rate of hydrogen to electrical energy, depending on the load required at that specific amount of time. But going back to what I was saying in terms of uh, the cost savings that we're talking about, so if you think about twelve to $1,500 for 400 gallons or a ton, which, you know, fuel is actually a little bit more, weighs a little bit more, so we're only talking about 400 gallons. Uh, from from the uh, from the ammonia side in the U.S., at least on the mainland, you're talking about a 500 to 550 dollars a ton. So you're talking about a 500 to 550 dollars a ton of fuel for 30 days, compared to 12 to 1500 dollars for 15 days. So there's a drastic difference in price just from an OPEX perspective, compared not even factoring anything else. Uh, you know, th this is where you can really significantly start saying that, you know, from a cost of ownership, uh, we are superior to fuel uh, energy. Okay. You're looking at not only the fuel, but then you're also talking about the maintenance. Think about all the maintenance you have to do on mechanical components compared to a computer that basically is generating power because there's no mechanical components necessary to generate the power. Also, if you're not used to dealing with diesel engines, and I am as backup power for our military operations, uh, you have to sit there and actually clean the fuel every so often. You can't just leave it sitting in the tank. So that's another dish added maintenance cost that comes into maintaining in addition to running them regularly so you know they work. Correct, correct. Well, let's go back to the slides. So, so and, yeah, uh, I mean, so one of the other things, if I may, Stan, okay. uh, so we talked about the ammonia, but one of the other things that we're using as well, because again, as I mentioned, we, we, we're a technology that we use the building blocks to provide a result, right? right. So not always do we, do we say that fuel cell is the end all, end all. So one of the things that we also uh, have complementary technology to where we can still connect to solar panels and batteries where necessary, where there's applicable, where you still may want to use solar panels because it may be much cheaper, but you still need to have a fail-safe solution to generate that power. Because again, we're talking about mission critical equipment. Right. So if you use solar panels, that's great, but mother nature is never going to give you hundred percent of the energy needed all the time, whenever you need it. So you have to have something on the backside as a redundant system 
that you can rely on that you can actually generate power on demand. So that's one application. So we can always connect to that. The second one is that we can also utilize electrolyzers using water to where again, similar to the way we were splitting the molecule between the ammonia molecule and the nitrogen, or I'm sorry, the, the hydrogen molecule and the ammonia, uh, I'm sorry, the nitrogen molecule, we're splitting the hydrogen molecule and the oxygen molecule to generate electrical power, or I'm sorry, get, getting the hydrogen to feed the fuel cell to generate electrical power. So you can also use water as a means to generate clean electrical power by simply using electrolysis, which you know, it really doesn't matter where we get the uh, electrical energy to support the application. We're coming from off-grid applications, you know, from the utility, use it at night, converting the water to hydrogen, storing it on tanks, and then using it during the day to kind of help support load-saving applications or strategies. Well, Alex, we've got about one minute left, so I'm going to turn it all over to you because I know you got lots to tell us, and I don't want to, I don't want to hold you back. Well, thank you. Well, that's pretty much what I wanted to let every your audience know is that you know, Genso is a company that really kind of thinks outside of the box in terms of, you know, our main goal is to give you a result, and we wanted to make sure that we're using all available technology to make sure that we're giving you the most robust, most resilient. And more importantly, making sure that we're giving you the, the tools necessary to manage your operation more efficiently and cost effectively. Great. Well, we'll have Robert throw up that last slide on the screen there so everybody can, can look at it. I think it's kind of a cool slide. Um, it kind of says it all, you know? I mean, when there's no yeah. power around you, you're going to keep them running. So, Alex, I want to thank you very much for, uh, for being on the show with us again. This is your second uh, time on the show. I'm sure we're going to have you back again. And I'd like to actually talk more about you know, what's going on in the future and how you folks see the future happening with your technology and, and your industry, which is um, the energy industry and using hydrogen and ammonia to generate some power. But thanks again for being on the show. And um, we'll, we'll uh, get you back in a couple more months and get up to date with you. Thank you very much, Stan. And I look forward to it. We have some very exciting things to, to share with you. Great. And uh, that's going to do it for Stan Energy Man this Friday. Uh, thank you for being a guest. And thank you for being a studio audience, an audience here. Watch this down, Energy Man. Thanks to Robert and Cindy here in the studio. And um, we, we we got a new uh, a new uh, production. Haley, the production, new production girl in the in the room there, running everything, running all the background stuff. Haley, good to have you on board. Thanks for doing such a great job today. So until next Friday, aloha.